0: Welcome back to The Grow Show. Hello, Grow Nation. I'm here with my partners, Eric Watkins and Jeff Winters. And we've got another incredible episode of Totally Usable Business Growth Tips. But before we get into those, we're heading over to the Sheriff, see what's going on, and LinkedIn. There's a lot.
1: I mean, LinkedIn is... It's popping. It's popping. I don't. I don't have any data to support this. Which has never stopped me before. I think it's got to be more popular than ever, or they or maybe they're just doing sure. a better job of just feeding me Promoting. stuff. I'm, I'm. I. I could do that. I don't have Instagram or TikTok, but LinkedIn is like captivates my attention for hours. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, it's a black hole.
1: It's a black hole. And, but there's some stuff on there that's really good, and some stuff on there that's not. And we're here to share both. So our first (laughs) two truths, one of those two, comes from Brian El Brian writes, potentially unpopular opinion, sellers, you should measure your sales prowess in your ability to open and close new outbound opportunities. It's great to have the luxury to sell inbound. However, the truest skill in our profession is the ability to close deals with brands that didn't reach out to you for help first. I think this is a capital T truth. And I also think it's just important for companies to know there's a big difference selling inbound and outbound. Those are different worlds. And, uh, which it, this has implications on which leads you give to which reps it has implications on, as you're looking at your reps, which leads they have, uh, how quality, how, how good at selling are they? I think this is a truth. I really like this one.
2: I agree with this, and I think it's a truth, but I have a follow-up question, and maybe you all can answer it. Do you think, take your best outbound closing rep? I think it's the hardest skill set to have. You have it. You're the best closer. Yes. Does that automatically make them the best inbound closer as well, or is there a nuance to closing inbound deals that's different than
0: outbound? I have an opinion on that. I don't know if it's going to answer your question directly, but it just sparked this thing that I always worry about when inbound leads come in or when a referral comes in where they're raising their hand and saying they want to do business with us. I feel like nine times out of 10, we don't, or salespeople don't take them through the entire sales process Mm -hmm. through like shortchange it. They, because they're already pretty much saying yes, which means that we sell with whatever expectations they had in their head before they got to the call, which may not be realistic. I think what makes the best salesperson, which for these kind of leads, which is not always the best salesperson, is the person that has the patience to slow them down and say, no, I'm going to take you through this entire process. I want to make sure that you see exactly what we do, how we do it. and You have a chance to ask questions. So that if we do become partners, you you know, expectations are realistic, and and we do a good job for you. So I guess what I'm saying is maybe not. Yeah, they can understand this person's going to buy, and so they do it even quicker. Sure. As opposed to making them go through the whole sales process. Does that make sense? It does. On balance, harder to sell inbound or outbound, Scott. Outbound for sure. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. yeah,
2: no question there. Yeah,
0: or referrals. Put your, I'm, I'm a green. Yeah. Put your referrals aside, your inbound leads aside. Yeah, if you're really good at selling outbound,
2: and don't confuse it. Like if you've never
1: sold outbound, you've only sold inbound
2: or yeah. referrals. Like, don't be saying you have a sixty percent close rate. I, yeah, you don't. Your hundred percent close rate doesn't count.
0: And yeah. I'd add to it, outbound someone else set. Oh, as opposed to the outbound that you set. Sure, where you were part of the initial conversation. You're a true rock star if you can sell. Somebody else's outbound lead. Oh, you that's think a that's point. the Jedi. That's a,
2: that's a mm-hmm. big differentiation. Yeah. That is a
1: really good point. That's the Jedi. You can sell referral. I think referrals. Easier than inbound. Yeah. Like we all agree. Mm-hmm. Sell referral really well. You can sell inbound really well. You can sell outbound that you set, and then you can sell outbound that somebody else set. Yep. yep. That's good.
2: Going back to the post, if, if you're going to ask us our best sales rep internally, yeah. I would look at highest close rate on outbound leads that someone else said. Yeah. yeah, And yeah. that'd be the person I'd go send up to represent us to close the deal. Yeah.
0: In Cleveland. In, In Cleveland. Cleveland.
2: Scott always uses Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland rocks.
1: Nick Mehta, CEO of Gainsight. Just my point of view, but I think companies put too much of the blame for execution issues on individual contributors and not enough on leaders. Great leaders make individual contributors 10 times better. We need 10x leaders. I need to get 10x better myself for sure. Also, quote, to those who much is given, much is expected. I love this. It's so easy for leaders to look two levels down and go, the individual contributors, the individual contributors, the account manager, the salesperson. No, 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 no. And Eric, I know we talk about this all the time. <laughs> No bad teams, only bad leaders. If you had that exact same, and Scott, you say this, if you had that exact same team of individual contributors and a different leader, would that team be more successful? And the answer is often yes. And we blame individual contributors all the time. They're the ones that go on the performance plans. They're the ones that end up having to leave the organization due to performance issues and not enough pressure is put on leaders. I thought this was a a big stamp of truth for me.
0: Love it. I agree. Yeah, truth. And that best leader is going to try to put the best people in seats because then the job's easier. It's even easier to be a better leader when you take the time up front to make sure that you hire the right people in the onset.
1: Truth. Truth. And now we come to a lie. And I wanted to pull this lie because... It's not just a lie, but it's a lie that has 2,000 plus reactions on LinkedIn. So this is a lie that a lot of people are reading and reacting to. And these are the most important. And it says, I don't believe in cold calling. It doesn't work and is a massive waste of time and energy. Instead, I believe in warm calling. This approach has led to prospecting to meeting conversion of 10 to 20%. Over the course of my sales career, as opposed to one to 3% when cold calling, here's how it works. And then this person goes on to describe a process where you send an email and then you make a call and then you use the CRM. There's like a, it's like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a sequence of events. And I think this is a, a nasty lie for two reasons. First, cold calling is not a massive waste of time. That's silly. We all agree on that. But second, to lead people to believe that if they go through this process, for every hundred people they contact, they're going to get 20 meetings. Yeah, not a shot. That part's
2: a lie. Nor is it scalable. No. So even if one, this guy's a magician and he can do it, like I would love to know the offering he did it with right. and what who he's targeting. But cold calling is not dead. Uh, sure. I would take warm calls all day over cold calls. But unfortunately, to do it at scale, to hit your entire TAM, you're going to have to make some cold calls. And they're not, can get the return on investment from it. Or we wouldn't be running a business doing it. And show me the
1: 20%. Like, that's bullshit. Like yeah. across the board, there is no 20%. Like don't, don't tell, even if he did that, get that telling people to expect that somebody goes into a boardroom or an executive and they go, I've got data to support the idea that we're going to close 20% of all the leads we get. All we needs 200 and we're going to close 40 new customers. Let's build our entire plan around that.
0: You know, the funny thing is even the people that build the data that we buy, you know, there's all kinds of to- tools where they can scrape email signature, contact info, and cleanse lists against each other but guess what they have to ultimately do to fill in the blanks with their data get Call. on get on the phone <laughs> get on the phone. It's just the fastest way to get somebody on the phone to ask questions to clarify and determine whether or not you want to run a process going forward. Now once you have determined that there's a decision maker that is qualified that you should definitely contact go forward. Hitting that person in multiple ways, connecting on LinkedIn, sending an email, making phone calls. Of course. Of course. But stop with the fourth piece of software and the third data manipulation tool and the eight part email series to hopefully land on the perfect list to call. Just pick up the damn phone and call and ask a couple of questions and get there quicker. 20%, I ask. You're a liar. I think we're qualified to say he's a liar since we do this for a living. Yeah. That, that one in, in particular, I mean, I guess we wouldn't set hundreds of thousands of appointments over the years if we were waiting on his process. All right. We are now at the 50 for 50. These are the 50 tips, the 50 strategies, the things that if we were to start another business, we would have put in place immediately to ensure success. And we've tried a lot of things and not everything's worked but in this section we talk about the things that do work that we would put money on and this one's another doozy it's the map meeting this is a meeting it depends on what you're doing and whether or not it's a weekly or once a month but here we do it weekly and in the map the map meeting is it actually stands for major projects activity measured and potential business issues potential obstacles in the way of success. I got consulting in the past from a wonderful woman who, you know, we were just going through all of these different business practices and she was giving me tips on, you know, how to build teams and become more productive. And this is one of those things that I pulled away from her and and we really worked a a lot on it that that I was just uh, amazed with. And it's At the end of the day if you're doing this effectively there's no need to get to the end of the year and rely on a year-end review this tool allows for somebody to understand how they're doing week by week in this meeting it is the individual contributors meeting not the managers so this isn't me the manager saying do this do this do this this is me the individual contributor showing up to an hour meeting with my supervisor, showing them that I've got it handled. In the major projects, these are the top five things that, that I need to accomplish within the next week. In that section, we also talk about last week's top five and you know my results towards those top five. These top five things need to be the highest level, most important things, the dominoes, if you will, that cause the rest of the dominoes to fall. A lot of us build to-do lists. You guys know it. We build a to-do list and maybe you start knocking off the easiest things Mm -hmm. so that you feel like you're accomplishing something. No, this is the five things that have to happen that can't get carried over to the next week that will impact the rest of the items on your list. Here, we wrap these five things into our top five processes within each position and then we put them on a schedule or what we call a playbook which was one of our sense more sensitive posts out on linkedin but uh, these top five processes matter and so basically you're like how was last week how were your results with those top five processes here are my recommendations for what i should do in these five categories for the next week, manager, individual contributor, agree, get on the same page. What an, what an unbelievable opportunity for an individual contributor to say, I got it. And by the way, look at how I understand my business or my position because I'm coming to the meeting with the things that matter most. And what an unbelievable opportunity f- for the manager to see that they are on the right page or not and if they're not to make some adjustments right there with them. Most of the time when you are doing this on a regular basis, it's really more of an opportunity to acknowledge somebody for the, the important work they did the week before, and for really highlighting the things that are the most important to accomplish this week. In the middle, it's activity. We're on Salesforce. So we've got different dashboards for every position in the building. That's where you're looking at those dashboards and you're monitoring the top level activity for that week could be dials. It could be pitches. It could be, implementations. It could be products produced. It could be phones answered, whatever it may be, but that's where they're presenting their activity versus goals. And then potential business issues is where somebody is talking about things that may get in the way. So if I'm a sales manager, I may say, you know, here's what's going on with the business. We're on track for the year, but we do have this high performing rep that I think is looking at some other opportunities, and so that could be a, pot- a potential interrupter and here's what i'm doing to make sure that 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 does not interrupt our business but that's a super important spot as well so we have it weekly every manager has it with an individual contributor the individual contributor is responsible for the meeting not the manager it is a huge accountability piece it's a huge acknowledgement piece And this is one of our top five for sure. It took a couple of years to get everybody in the building doing it. Now we're really working on the quality of those meetings, but this is a huge, huge part of driving our revenue north. What do you guys think?
2: If you're a CEO or president or running a business right now, you shouldn't walk, you should run and go implement this right away. Right away. Because if you're in that position, being in that position myself, you're always asking yourself a couple of questions. One is, Is everybody working, right? I'm paying, you know, you got X amount of people on payroll. Is everybody putting in the the effort that they should every single week? And I think a lot of us feel good about our companies and our cultures where we don't have to ask ourselves that much. Then the second thing is, well, what are they working on? And don't underestimate the power of having your entire company in sort of these guardrails working towards the same mission or vision. You would be surprised how out of whack at least in in my scope being over different departments how all of a sudden i see people just flying in different directions working on totally different things where if they were collaborating or new or were working in the same direction they could be leveraging what one another is doing so what i love about this is by defining those projects in each position you can ensure that people we're not telling them exactly what to do they got to solve problems and come up with what they need to do but they're moving in one direction and everything is aligned And it's just uh, an intentional way to run your business that couldn't imagine running this business without it.
1: Yeah. Scott focused a lot on the manager, individual contributor map, but to be abundantly clear, everybody does a map. I do a map with Scott. My VPs do a map with me, everybody in the organization. There's two, there's two parts of this. I really want to underscore the first is it's a forcing function for everybody to meet with their manager every week. Everybody meets with their manager every week. And when Scott bought Uh, our business a year and a half ago. I remember there were scenarios prior to us coming on board where we had managers that didn't meet with individual contributors for weeks and that you just can't have that like hard stop every manager, meet with every, every contributor or every direct report every week. And the next is it's a, it's an absolute, it, it mandates execution. Like if execution in a business is checking boxes of things that need to be done, this inherently ensures that the business is executing every week, everybody, five things. I'm, I did it. Yes, I did this. I did this. I did this. Great. That is the essence of execution. It's a great framework for a one-on-one. You should use it. You should not question it. You should use it. I think we're going to have some cool materials that we can share yeah. on LinkedIn soon. On this, uh,
0: on- use it. You know what happens? It's hard. Because someone says, especially somebody with a lot of responsibility, I can't narrow it down to five things. That's the hardest part, but you can. Yeah. And the other thing is it might be a piece, like one of the things may be a piece of a larger thing that you're moving along, right? Like you may have a project that can't be done in a week, but a piece of that project can, and that's what you're calling out. Mm-hmm. But it is so hard for people to drill down to the the five items that are the dominoes to cause everything else to fall over but once they learn how to do this oh my gosh they're so much more productive and you know we we hand every new hire here at abstract a book called the one thing which really does a a really good job of of talking to you about picking the most important things in your life, personal, professional, spirituals, that book ties right into this, you know, build a success list, not a to-do list. And that's what this map is all about. And uh, like Eric said, do it, do it quickly. You'll notice the results.
2: And one thing that you'll see over time is, you know, they talk about it with investing a lot, compound interest. So this is really what you're doing. If you get 1% better every day, you're actually 37 times better by the end of the year. And this is one of the impacts that we see from these maps is we're focused, we're being intentional every single week. It focuses me to at least sit down and think, okay, when it comes to my role, what do I need to do to improve my results? I have to critically think about it and then I get held accountable to going and doing that each week.
0: I love it. Map, map your success. Okay, so we're rolling from the 50 for 50 over to mining for growth gold. What kind of gold do you have for us today, Eric?
2: I have some great gold. And so to remind everybody what we're doing here is we're looking through our organization. We set over 100,000 sales appointments every single year. And we're looking for what are the things that we really do differently, do better, to share those best practices for you to implement for your business. Uh, So for today, we're going to talk about Maybe a little uh, controversial, but that's what we do here mm-hmm. is why you should close three times on every appointment call and how you should do that. So, when I say that, a lot of people say, Well, that will just lead to bad meetings. You're just going to twist people's arms into appointments. And the answer is maybe sometimes. But what I, if you could just take my word for it, I've listened to hundreds of calls, you would be surprised on the amount of calls that start with a no and refuse the meeting, and then ultimately through conversations and questioning, we end in an entirely different spot. So if you agree and you come to the conclusion, okay, I should ask for the appointment three times, what I'm going to give you is after you've asked the first time, which we've already trained on and talked about asking assumptively, I'm going to give you two different closes to use. There are two sort of magical phrases that we we talk about and train on internally that you can use for each closing. The first one is "You know as well as I do." So this is after we have asked for the meeting one time, and they've said, "You know what? I just don't think I'm interested in this service right now. It's not something that uh, that's a priority for us, and you know I' you can just follow up with me down the road. This is how this would close would go. So Jeff, what I'm hearing from you is you feel like you have your security taken uh, taken care of right now. But you know as well as I do, technology is always changing and becoming even more and more difficult to manage. With that being said, don't you feel like it would make sense for us to sit down just to talk about uh, what we have to offer and how we could potentially help your business? And then Jeff would go from that and he may say, yeah, I just I don't know if I feel like it's the best use of my time. And the last close, the last thing we would give them is what we call the worst case scenario close. And then what we would say with this is, uh, Jeff, you didn't get to where you are today without making some really important decisions. The worst case scenario is we would give you a couple of things to go fix with your security currently. Would it be a terrible use of time for us to sit down and talk for 30 minutes about your security? So in that, is everybody going to say yes to these closes? No. However, you're going to get some appointments that you wouldn't have had otherwise, but more importantly than that, what you're going to get is the truth. After you've gone for the close multiple times, they're not just going to give you a brush off objection. They're going to tell you exactly why. No, Eric, I don't want to meet. We have a provider that we absolutely love who we've been in a contract with for seven years. Okay, great. When I follow up and nurture down the road and put them into my process, I know the exact reason. So... Worst case, scenario, uh, you know as well as I do, worst case scenario, two closes, put them into action.
1: You know as well as I do. It caught me off guard. I like that. I know I've, I'm trying to reflect on myself saying this and like when I've said it. I know I've said it. It's great. I'm going to, I am going to, I did not know that. I am going to use the shit out of that. You know as well as I do. That's just a beautiful turn of a phrase to provoke a thought. Cause like whatever follows, it's like deferent. Like, look, you know as well as I do. It's like, okay, you know. Yeah, you're already agreeing. Yeah, to this. you're already agreeing to this. You're on a. You're on a you're sort smart. of pedestal. You're smart. You yeah. get it. You know. I know. It's like our little kind of secret thing. Like, hey, look, let's level with each other off the record. You know as well as I do that this is going to happen. I I think that's great. What a cool turn of a phrase. I love that.
0: Wouldn't you agree that the difficult thing is to get that newbie to have the courage to go through all three.
2: Yeah. And I I think that's what, you know, when we sat down and and put this together with the team and, you know, we we saw what closings were working best for people, what you need to do, what these phrases do more than anything is it gives them that courage. It gives them that little something where they feel like they can go for that close, which is almost more important than the words we're actually saying of them just doing it. And I think uh, you just have to commit to that as a, as a business or as a SDR that I'm going to go for the close, uh, three times. And at the end of the day, if the appointment's not good, let it off the hook, but I'm going to put, I'm going to catch every fish that I can. I'm going to get every fish to bite that I can. And if it, you know, it doesn't pan out, then, uh, let it off the hook. And you can always ask questions after you secured the appointment to really improve the quality as we've talked about, but huge believer in this. And, uh, I think everybody should do it. Think you should go for the close three times
0: and in, in one ad which is totally against anything that you would watch or read you may have to have this same system set up for gatekeepers Mm -hmm. so many people say you know don't pitch the the gatekeeper but depending on the size of the organization you may very well be pitching the gatekeeper and you need to go through your three steps with that person to potentially different script different questions but i would add that absolutely that's awesome eric jeff you know now we're sitting on a pile of leads how do we sell more of them
1: yeah, talk tales about from sales. talk about not pitching the decision maker. That that leads right into what we're talking about today, which is tales from sales. For us, we're selling approximately six million dollars in annual revenue every single month. We've got a lot of meetings, like somewhere on the order of twelve hundred sales pitches every month for our team. We've got a lot of data on what's working, what's not. It's real time. It's uh, And we're bringing it to you to try to help. So one thing we're seeing more today by a lot than we saw five years ago is our salespeople and all salespeople are not pitching the final decision maker. They're just not. And there's two reasons for that. The first is more often than not, the final decision maker is not a person. It's a group of people now. Uh, Decisions are being made by committee at alarmingly high rates relative to Uh, two, three, four years ago. And also uh, the CFO in current times is just far more involved in decisions than they've been in other times. And so these are two real things. And so we as salespeople and sales leaders need to adjust because you're not going to talk to the decision maker all the time and that's okay. You're talking to an influencer. And so what I want to talk about is what do you do? to ensure that your influencer becomes your champion, because those are different things. An influencer is someone who can influence the decision in a decision-making process to buy something one way or the other. I want this, I don't want this, or I really don't want this. Lastly, I really do want this. And that's what you need to find out. You need to find out as a salesperson on your sales calls, am I talking to somebody Who's going to take this to the final decision maker or the decision making committee or the CFO and say, hey, I was evaluating the solution. Here's what it is. Or are they going to go, we have to have this. It is a must have. It's not a nice to have. This is not vitamins. This is antibiotics. We got to have it. You need to know that because in the absence of knowing that. You don't have any idea whether or not your deal is going to close. You have no clue, and so I want to give just a, a really quick, simple way to do this. And we could go way depth, way into a lot of depth on this. But but one thing you'd say is, so can you talk to me a little bit about? the decision making process of how things get decided when you buy stuff like this internally well um you know you know eric typically i have to talk to bob and and steve and and you know then we figure out if we're going to buy it or not oh i totally get it just out of curiosity if this was totally up to you i know bob and steve are in the picture and look i got a boss too i i get it but if this were totally your decision and your decision alone would you do it and if they say yes, you go, why? Tell me, like why? And then they verbalize it, and and there are places you can go from there. And then I'll give you a couple ideas of what to do if they say no, because they're gonna. If they say no, you're gonna say why, and then they might say one of a couple of things. They might say no. You say why, and they go price. It's too expensive. And here's the question: How do you mean? That's such a great question. When somebody says something like too that. expensive, say how do you mean? gives you a chance to gather yourself and
2: it's like you'll listen. There's no good way to answer
1: that. There's no good way to answer that question. Or if I go, Hey, you know, if this was your decision, your decision alone, would you do it? "Eh, I don't know. Oh, why? You know, I'm just, I'm not totally there yet. What would you change? What would you change is a really interesting question. And I want to give some love to Jake Shadiman, one of our salespeople who did this in a role play off this week. What would you change is a really interesting way to get somebody to bring out an objection to take them from potentially an influencer to a champion. So uh, step one here, make sure you're moving people from influencer to champion by asking them if it was their unilateral decision, how would they do it? And those are just some few tips on what to to say
0: when they have those responses. What percentage would the adjustment be in close rate do you think if someone would do this? (sighs) I I think the close rate would go up, but more importantly, I think the
1: forecast accuracy would go up by like 500%. People are just guessing.
0: I think that's the biggest deal, right? Actually knowing who's going to buy and who isn't, getting an accurate forecast, which all the VPs of sales out there, that's music to their ears for sure.
2: And going back to last episode, this is what we're talking about. When you get a referral or you get an inbound lead, typically it's... Probably someone further along in the decision making process. When you get an outbound lead, you have to be good at this stuff. Yeah, like you, this is the Jedi stuff.
1: How do you mean?
2: How do you mean?
1: God, it that should make sense? Great. It's
2: great. What the one thing I would uh, I was thinking about when you said, "Would you would you move forward?" Yeah, I like would you move forward today? Oh, putting a little bit of urgency on, it, like, would you sign this contract right now? No, I wouldn't because. I think that's different than would I move forward ever. Just a little bit of uh, urgency there.
0: Phrasing. Yeah. Is there bit. a book out there with the 100 greatest phrases, sales questions? Are you teasing them? Yeah. Might be. Might, Might be soon. Teasing. Future, do you
2: know as well as I do, that book should be out there. Show Tales from <laughs> Sales. See
0: what you Don't did. Don't write it now. Copyright. I love it. It comes down to the phrasing.
2: Great, Great Tales from Sales yeah. today. Good job, Jeff.
0: Well, now you're going to wash down that delicious Tales from Sales (laughs) meal with. This is a. I have a. We're there, right? uh, I think uh, Eric's sad because we should be building up this last section. I have a proclamation
2: to make today. I can't. I have an executive order.
0: That we need to be more excited. Is it over yet?
2: That as well. That as well. Are we ready? Do I get my intro or no? (laughs)
0: we're now headed to ever, <laughs> we're now headed to everybody's favorite to do or not to do. Okay. That is the question. Gonna you guys
2: are going to the mark your calendars. Colors. Mark your calendars. You're going to remember this date for the rest of your lives. Mm. It's official. Ties are done. You no longer need to wear a tie to anything. Not oh, anything. A necktie. A necktie. Correct. Got ties it. are done. Oh, this is good. If you go to a black tie event, you got to wear a tie. Outside of that, you never have to wear a tie,
1: ever. So, so ties are not done.
2: They're done other than that event.
1: Bow ties
0: are not Weddings,
2: done. Weddings, no tie. Funerals, no tie. Graduations. What if you're no tie. in the
0: wedding party?
2: Wedding party up to the bride and groom. Up to the bride. Who are you talking about? Yeah, up to the bride. But no, you don't need to wear ties anymore. I, I think ties are done. I think it's just time we stop like playing this game. Like, Should I wear a tie? Should I not? They're done. I haven't worn a tie in five years.
1: COVID ended ties.
2: I think they did. I COVID think it ended. did. And by the way, what if you were ties meeting are terrible. They're itchy. They're oh, bu-
0: what do you think? I hate ties. Yeah, I've got a closet full of really nice ties. And the rare occasion that I have to put them on anymore, like Eric said, it's just miserable. It's not comfortable I think at we should all. just kill them. <sighs> but I do yeah. think a really nice shirt and a nice suit to a formal event without a tie can look nice. You could still have like a pocket square. Yeah, pocket square. square. Let's and bring
2: the pocket squares. Let's put those over ties. Let's do, prioritize. Let's do it. Let's do it.
1: I don't...
2: You're a tie guy. No, God,
1: I don't look you're... good, like, because that's the what are we going no to yeah, right. <laughs> shirt no tie, yeah, hard tie, right? Other shirt no tie, the suit no tie. I don't have that kind of neck. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like, it doesn't that look doesn't work for. So, like, a tie <laughs> works for me at formal events. I don't like it, but I'm saying, like, there are people out there who are going to know what I'm talking about. What are you talking? about? I'm just saying, like, from a shape perspective.
2: Kinda, but if that's the because your neck's a little thick, right? I
0: whoa, you said that.
2: <laughs> a little thick neck.
0: <laughs> yeah, but when you yeah, when bunch it together with a tie, isn't part of your yeah, neck hanging just, over? Yeah, it? you Look, got your, the
2: neck fat hanging <laughs> over. We'll <laughs> t- we'll put a picture up on LinkedIn. We'll have them vote. We'll have them vote. Do you like tie Jeff or no tie Jeff better? What do you think? Oh, no d- tie Jeff. Yeah.
1: I, here's the other thing, though. Don't go overboard casual at weddings No, at No, funerals. no, 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 This is People not, are going yeah, overboard casual. Let's be casual. clear.
2: This is not dressed like a slob. That's not what we're I'm talking about I'm saying wear a suit. Yeah, suit. Nice shoes. Nice button up. Nice, nice shoes. Nice belt. Pockets. We threw out the pocket square.
1: Haven't you been to a wedding or funeral lately, though, and you're like, come on. Come on, man.
2: Yeah, people, but they in, didn't. they That's weren't.
0: a sweater. You can't wear <laughs> a sweater. If people wear sweaters and jeans. Yes. That's right.
2: outrageous. That's outrageous, but the ties are dead. We've declared it. It's done. The death of the tie. You didn't know how important this day was going to be in history. Now you do. All
0: right. Gentlemen, incredible show. Again, more fire for the Grow Nation.
2: Jeff brought it today. I got to say. Jeff
0: was on fire and fuego. Blushing. Good job. Grow Nation we are loving your support please pass the word along we're just trying to make it a little bit easier for entrepreneurs and business owners out there to take things to the next level Uh, we've got some exciting downloads that are going to be coming out things that you can go grab to make our tips just a little bit easier to understand so look for that please like subscribe review We need you. We need you to get the word out. Again, great show, guys. And uh, as always, let's grow.
2: Let's grow. Let's grow.
0: The Grow Show is sponsored by Inbound SDR, digital search
1: that works.